Welcome everyone to the Boaz Podcast. Grab yourself a coffee or pop in your earbuds for a neighborhood jaunt and enjoy this lineup. Our very own Terry grabs some time with two InterVarsity alum to talk through stories of how they've been trying to live lives like Boaz. First up is former UBC student Sydney Archer. All right, so would you like to introduce yourself today? Sure. Um, my name's Sydney. I grew up in uh, Vancouver. I work now at the Port of Vancouver as a strategist organizing how uh, containers get uh, moved around at Delta Port and Vanterm. Mm. Um, I live in a community house. Community houses have been a big part of my life. Um, and uh, right now I live in a house with five people. I'm in the fall, I moved out from a house of 15 people. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah, awesome. Um, and you mentioned community houses. And I would just love if you could speak to, um, yeah, maybe just some ways that you've seen God work through that and some ways that, um, yeah, the things that you've been given that you've just been able to use them um, to glorify God and just to, to, to be a steward of the things that you've been given. Yeah, so I've been living in Vancouver uh, my whole life. Um, the last 10 years, I've probably moved um, eight or nine times uh, to different houses, not mm -hmm. like intentionally necessarily, but um, sometimes getting kicked out. The thing that I think people in Vancouver, um, especially young adults, are um, struggling with or what's, what's difficult is um, loneliness and affordable housing. And I think mm -hmm. community housing is been something that has really blessed people and I've been able to be a part of um, and God's been able to use my sort of organizational and logistical skills which I can apply I think everything from like a dinner to a port to a community house um, yeah it's been really a way that I've enjoyed uh, serving God yeah that's awesome um would you say in some of the like more day-to-day -day things that you've found a way to kind of just recognize that God's been a part of those things? Like you were sharing with me just before, just some of the way, like, um, yeah, just even going into this like COVID season this year and just the ways that that community was a blessing, was able to um, serve each other and serve others. Yeah. It's interesting because um, none of us could have predicted what would have happened uh, when I signed a lease for a house for a year. Um, about halfway into the year, when COVID became a serious thing, we had to um, like stop meeting in person with everyone else. Our bubble became our house, um, and we all decided to start our own sort of like church service on Sunday mornings, where people stepped up to do different things, like preach or give a um, time of worship leading or prayer. Um, and that was something that's really uh, blessed people while they were there. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really grateful for that. Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And you also mentioned that like you stepped into that like lease and you didn't even know like who was going to be filling that house and stuff. Um, how would you encourage people when they're just like trying to make some of those like seemingly bigger decisions or maybe blind decisions um, yeah. And just the ways that you've seen God just like come through in, in those situations. Yeah. On one sense, it was like a, a blind decision in the sense that I 
signed a lease for a house and then realized I had three weeks to find another 14 people or else I wouldn't mm. be able to make rent. But on the other hand, it was something that God has been putting on my heart to do um, for a long time. So it didn't feel like I was blind in that way. Um, have there been any other times where like, like, have you found that it's become easier just like the longer you walk with the Lord and see his faithfulness through things? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think people are, we're easily forgetting the ways that God's been um, at work in our past, but I think Mm -hmm. reflecting back and um, being able to um, see the ways in which God's been faithful in the past and think about those, it's easier to trust him again uh, with things in the future. Totally. Um, have Is there any practices that you've built in in order to do that, like reflecting? I know that's something that God's been um, putting on my heart a lot, just as I've been reading through the Old Testament, the amount of times that we're called to just remember um, and yet yeah, to look back on the things that God's done. Um, are there any like specific things that have helped you in that reflection? Yeah, I think once every three months or so, I try and take time away, like a day or two days, uh, just for a personal retreat, kind of like self-reflection. And a big part of that is um, reflecting back and counting blessings or uh, writing down a list of things that I'm grateful for, which takes like a lot longer than um, I always think it will. Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um... Yeah, I guess kind of to conclude our time, um, I just have a question. So for the participants that are listening um, that have been kind of studying with us for a couple of days, the book of Ruth, and um, yeah, we just trust that God's doing a work in them and kind of bringing some things up. Um, yeah, what would how would you encourage them as they just hear your story and some other stories? And they, just like me, are really encouraged to hear this, that, that people really do live um, faithfully and actually do steward the things that God's given them. Um, but maybe this, yeah, maybe a participant feels stuck or they, um, they want to know how they get from where they are to, to where you are. Um, how would you encourage them? Yeah, I think everyone begins somewhere. And for me, like I didn't come up from a Christian family. I'm a born again believer. And I remember when I first started following God that my, um, I didn't care about having like a big faith, but I wanted something that was real. Um, and so it didn't matter to me, um, like how much, but I wanted to trust God a hundred percent in even the smallest thing. Um, so for me, um, yeah, that's been something that's been important in my faith life is that I don't, I want whatever is there to be real. And, um, that's, sort of like what's most important, not like how big the step is or Mm -hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just to kind of clarify. So like, like, would you say just like starting with the small things that like God's given you and being faithful in those things and seeing where they go and like, it's just like a step by step, one foot in front of the other. Yeah, totally. I think like um, looking at some of the ways in which God has been using me now, it's, it's awesome, but it's not, um, I think about the, I think it's about faithfulness that God mm-hmm. looks, um, at us being faithful with, um, where we're at and what we're doing. And, um, yeah, we don't need to worry about him not being able to work with us. 
Well, I just want to thank you so much for just being willing to to share a bit of your story and just the ways that God's used you there in Vancouver. Um, yeah, we're just excited to kind of see what um, where he takes each of us with just the faithful small steps and the things that he can can use us for. But yeah, so thanks for your time today. Okay, thank you very much. That was Sydney Archer. And next up, we have Phoebe Colby, a friend of many in BC and a former McGill University student. All right. Hello. So I am here with a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Phoebe, Phoebe Colby. I'm coming at y'all from the traditional unceded territory of the Tsleil-Waututh, the Musqueam and the Coast Salish Nations here in Vancouver. Awesome. It's so great to have you here, Phoebe. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, it has been like just a sweet hour of knowing you. So <laughs> I'm just really, really so excited. <laughs> we'll do it again sometime. Yeah. Happy hour. Happy hour. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you feel like you would like to let us know about kind of what's going on for you these days anything that's been going on recently um I just get, got back from a short-term farming sustainable agriculture internship mm-hmm. with the Russia Canada located in South Surrey on the traditional unceded territories of the Semia Moon Nation uh and there I was living in community housing and I just got back this week to my family home in Vancouver proper so that's the, that's, that's the message. <laughs> that's the recent <laughs> little, <laughs> most recent interlude in my life. Yeah. yeah. So good. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I just want to thank you again for joining us, Phoebe, and for chatting here and just being willing to share some of the ways that God's used you. Um, yeah, we're just really excited to learn from you. Um, as you know, we um, I say we, as all the Ruth Con participants here, have been studying the book of Ruth this few days. Yeah, we are also wooting and cheering from our respective places as we gather here online. But um, yeah, so this is actually, this content's going to be for the Boaz track participants. And so we've just been taking a couple days to look at the things that, yeah, the yeah, just who Boaz is and what he does and what he says in this story. And yeah, I just wonder if there's anything out of that that you, that was standing out for you as you were reflecting over it these past couple of days as well. I think one thing that stood out to me reading particularly into the character of Boaz was this way in which he fulfills really well, uh, a little bit above and beyond, but really well a role that he's actually legally meant to do, a role that has been laid out for him in the laws of the land, in the laws of Israel. Um, And so it's interesting to think about generosity coming out of both the law and the way in which he follows it. Hmm. And the way in which he follows it involves this beautiful interaction with Ruth where he recognizes her need and recognizes how tenacious she is and how um, creative she is in asking for those needs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would not personally think of uncovering a dude's feet in order to get, uh, get wifed. <laughs> yeah. Although now, now I will, <laughs> but anyway, um, so he, his generosity is coming out of this place with Ruth where he sees need and sees value in her. I think 
he calls her righteous once or twice or something. Um, and that interaction is what leads to her redemption, Naomi's redemption and the redemption mm-hmm. of their land in mm-hmm. a really beautiful way. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Um, yeah. When we were just chatting before you used the like phrase, well-placed generosity. And I just, I really like that. It stuck out to me. Did you want to say anything more on that? Yeah, it's pretty much, he's generous out of, uh, he's generous in a specific way. Hmm. He, he acts into need while recognizing the person he's giving to. And so it's not that he's not always generous. Maybe he is, but he's fulfilling the, the legal role that he has. It's kind of a once removed legal role and he's doing it for a foreigner. He's hmm. doing it for someone who poses a bit of risk to his status, maybe his, maybe his physical, you know, self. Um, and, and so this generosity comes with a known cost and a known recipient. And mm. I think that's also kind of interesting to look at. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, I think, it would be helpful for us to kind of shift because we have just been, you know, we've been diving into this scripture and seeing the things about Boaz, but um, I was, I'll have to say, I actually was a little disappointed to hear that you aren't a wealthy landowner when we got chatting (laughs) earlier. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But I think I'm past it because I actually, yeah, have just got to hear that you, you might not have land to give um, or yeah, the same, the same resources as Boaz, but sounds like God has given you a lot and just um, really led you in how to use those things. So do you want to share with us what resources you've kind of found yourself with and the the ways that some of those might have been used? Sure, sure thing. Um, When I first got this request a couple days ago that, uh, that I would be asked to talk about how I'm like Boaz, um, I didn't actually see, I didn't see a super direct line for me and Boaz uh, as someone who currently gives just the, <laughs> just on the tithe line right there. <laughs> I don't really have a lot of financial resources at my disposal currently, although I am working on it, but uh, just, you know, just put in my taxes today, can confirm, not, not giving above and beyond financially. Um, but just in the conversation we had before this and a little bit over the past couple of days, I was thinking about, so what resources have I been generous with? Even if I wouldn't have immediately recognized that as generosity, uh, maybe retrospectively it was. And one that came to mind is um, at the beginning of the Arasha internship, I was hanging out with my roommate who's 19. So she's about five years younger than I am, although she's very mature for being five years younger than I am. So I always forget how old she is. And we were talking about our faith journeys. Um, And I was talking about how much I've enjoyed getting to know the Trinity as kind of individual members. Uh, And she just kind of looked at me like, (laughs) like she'd never heard that before. Hmm. And I heard Jesus say like, Phoebe, you've been leaning on the Ark of the Covenant. And I was like, what does that, what, (laughs) what does that mean? (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I realized what he meant was I'd been treating this relationship I had with him and the rest of the Trinity, uh, not exactly casually, but 
I'd just forgotten that it wasn't normal. I'd forgotten that it wasn't uh, accessible by a lot of folks, even within the church. Mm. And it was this moment where I realized um, giving Ellie access to it, my roommate, giving her more access and knowledge, because you kind of have to to be in relationship with someone, you have to know who they are a little bit. And so giving her more ways of getting to know the Trinity and also more information maybe um, through scripture, we did Bible studies together mm. about who God and who the Holy Spirit and who Jesus are, um, could really make her life different, make her faith journey different. Mm. And I told her that and she was like, oh frick yeah baby. And then we went from there. It was awesome. <laughs> I was like, you just, you were just a big wake up call for me. I have been sitting on this mm-hmm. really cool interaction with the Trinity and not really telling anyone about it or sharing it with anyone. Um, and you can, you totally say no, my friend. <laughs> but if you ever want to do some like prayer stuff together, we should do it. And she was like, but yeah, baby. So it was really fun. That's one story I was thinking of when I was just before this when we were uh, when we were talking Mm. yeah that's just really encouraging and like yeah just a really cool um yeah I was gonna say circumstantial but I think just kind of like the phrase that you used before too like the well-placed generosity like I think yeah it was just cool that you invested there and yeah I don't know it was there anything like from there did anything come out of that that led to anything uh, we did a listening prayer session together a couple nights yeah. after that. Uh, and she'd never done listening prayer before. I don't know if our listeners have done listening prayer, but hopefully uh, y'all, y'all know what I mean. You just kind of pop a question up there, see if anything comes through with um, any kind of image or scripture verse or, or word. And so I'm, I get really structured when I pray for whatever reason. And so I always set a timer And so Ellie and I sat in the room at like midnight together and I set a timer and I just told her what listening prayer was. And then I um, told her if she heard anything cool, if she didn't cool, like it's all, it's all good. You're just hanging out. Mm. And she, and we, so we prayed for a couple minutes and by prayed, I mean sat in silence for a couple minutes and then Mm -hmm. the timer went off and then we sort of came out of it and debriefed. And she was like, I think, I think God's flirting with me. And I was like, yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he really is. Cause I just got, the only words I got were flirt back. So <laughs> you better get on it, woman. And she, <laughs> and she was like, ah, oh, this, I was overwhelmed before, but now I'm pretty excited. I think I should start flirting. I was like, please, please woman, like, let's go. And so um, that for the rest of the internship that happened pretty early on, something would happen. And she, and we'd just be both like, oh my gosh. God's flirting with you again. Look at that. So Uncovering good. your feet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> That's super cool. Um, yeah, I think there there was also a piece, and I appreciate that you did like a land acknowledgement of where you're calling from today. Um, at the beginning, and there, yeah, you you were sharing with me a bit about um, the significance of the land that you were working on and kind of that new um yeah I don't necessarily know if it was new I guess you can you can speak more to that but um yeah just your your relationship with that and and what that looked like during this internship I was also struck reading 
Ruth uh, again by the fact that Boaz, his role is to redeem their position, their status, pretty much by redeeming the land. Mm. Uh, it's a package deal. Yeah. And this internship, I was working on a farm the whole time, nine to five, uh, every every week. And before I left, I was on a call with my friend Sambird, who some of our listeners may know of. She's, she's a very, very infamous woman. And I, we were doing some listening prayer together on the phone, actually. And one of the things that came out of it was Sam saying to me, like, Phoebe, pray for the land. <laughs> she's a pretty directive person. <laughs> so it was pretty much phrased like, are you praying for the land? Pray for the land. And I was like, oh, interesting. I'm not praying for the land. And it wouldn't have occurred to me to pray for the land if she hadn't mentioned it. So before I went into the internship, I'd started praying for the land and just noticed that I didn't have any language to pray for the land, uh, I think because I speak English. And so I was looking into uh, language learning um, and looking into learning some Squamish or uh, another language that's local. And I didn't get very far, but that's that sort of led into the internship. And I couldn't mm -hmm. stop thinking about the land, uh, which makes sense. I was like digging all day, every day. So <laughs> weren't a lot of other stimuli. It was pretty much land or nothing. Anyway, and I noticed that the way in which we interact with the land, even in conservation, is not the full picture of what the land is. And so like in Boaz's context, the land is resource. The land is your home and the land is often like your toil all, right. all day long kind of thing. For us, land has changed a lot. And so the dynamics of land aren't any longer the same. Yeah. Uh, but just working on a farm and thinking about whose land I was on and the cultural history, as well as the ecological history, it seemed like a big shame <laughs> that mm -hmm. we didn't bring those together more in our in our basically in our Christian ethic that we don't consider more deeply both the ecological history and the uh, cultural history of the lands we're on. Mm -hmm. It just seems like we could get a lot out of it. <laughs> so that's sort of no conclusion. I just prayed and I <laughs> you know, talked about it with some people uh, and that's it. <laughs> Nothing has happened, but it's been on my mind for a, a long time now and it probably will be for a long time yeah. going forward. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So good. Um, did you want to share anything else about, um, yeah, kind of, I think when we were chatting before, you were just saying that like the resources you kind of feel like rich in for lack of better terms are like skills, knowledge, and like gifts and like yeah. Is anything coming up as far as stories or examples that you'd like to share about just like how you've had opportunity to use those? And yeah, I think I come from a position of a lot of privilege. My family is of a pretty high socioeconomic status, especially globally. And I got an education that I only paid for part in part and all of those kind of things that probably a lot of us connect with uh, are true of me. And yet at the moment, I'm not personally making a lot of money, nor am I personally a property owner. So I'm in a position where I've come out of a lot of privilege and don't have 
tons of financial or like material um, things <laughs> to give out of. Mm-hmm. But I think leveraging the skills, knowledge, and relationships even that I've been able to build up over the years, partly out of these privileges that I've had, uh, has been, I've started noticing that a lot more. And one example of that is, it just takes kind of some interesting creativity for my, this is a weird one. (laughs) I don't know if I would, I loved it. So I don't know if I'd term this generous, but for my undergraduate thesis, I wrote about the history of black art production in Vancouver. And I worked with my friend, his name's David, David George Morgan, iconic fellow, love, love him so much. Shout out. I should send this to him. He'd love it. Shout out to George Morgan. And we, he just documented tons of the black art scene in, in Vancouver over the past 20, 30 years and had all of these documents around it that were just really well organized, but no one had access to. And so my thesis became digitizing a bunch of them in in partnership with him and creating an online database of the actual pamphlets and stuff and some secondary sources around how, like what they mean and who, who they're about and all of that kind of stuff. And that was an experience for me. I just loved it. And it felt like I was using my position in school to create something of value for a community that I cared about a lot in, in partnership with parts of that community. And that was just super fun. And it's kind of that specific generosity thing again, seeing the need and the value at the same time. Although I kind of hesitate, I feel like I got more out of it than I gave, but uh, at the same time, it was a really, it's there now and it will be for however long the internet lasts. So it was a really fun experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shout out David George Morgan. <laughs> the real, gen- the real Boaz. <laughs> yeah yeah that's so good um yeah man I think I'm sure you have many many more stories for us but I um yeah wonder if just so one of the other things that we were kind of well that I feel like I was just quoting you and I'm excited for all the other quotes that are going to be coming out of this time but um yeah you kind of shared with me when we were chatting before that like the first step is actually recognizing like your role or your influence. Um, Yeah, I just wonder if you have examples around that or even just like encouragement or advice for, yeah, listeners that might be um, wondering like, what do I actually have to give right now? Like what are the resources that God's God's given me to be generous with this? True, I forgot about that part. Yeah, recognizing your role and what you have access to is a Mm -hmm. big part of generosity for me. And I think for Boaz, that's kind of what happens in the story. I, I um, have, honestly, the thing that I do on a regular basis that helps me, um, I don't know what it helps me with. It just helps me get through the day, actually. But that's kind of what, that's kind of step one is I do five minutes of silence in the morning and I don't, um, I don't mess around with it much. It, I really need it. <laughs> I really need it. Just set a timer and then hang out with, hang out with the Trinity. And sometimes if I'm really distracted, I'll just have like a really repetitive prayer that goes over and over. I'm stealing this from people. Other people came up with this practice. I'm not, 
it's nothing new. <laughs> I feel I feel like I should mention that. I can't remember who else has come up with this, but it's out there. It's common. But it's just it. I think it was a game changer in my spiritual life when I started mm-hmm. that because I didn't realize I didn't have like an inner space to settle in yeah. before I started that practice. And so step one, five minutes of silence. If I don't do it, you'll know I get cranky. So that helps a lot. And then um, listening prayer is kind of similar, but doing that, especially with other people, has, I think it gives room for the Trinity to bring stuff up that I'd never see coming Mm. uh, because I'm spending time. I kind of do that silence, but with a question involved or with, with a particular situation involved. And it gives me more prayer space to get you know slapped in the face a little (laughs) or whatever get surprised so those are the two things and then like a lot of a lot of hanging out in scripture Mm. but but when I'm excited about usually (laughs) I'm not one of those people that just reads the bible and is like check mark I just I, I I don't do that as much so if you're one of those people good for you I can't I can't do it it's rough I wish I could but I'm sometimes I'll just get excited about a story and hang out with it for like a long time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hearing you right. We got to be silent. We got to listen. We got to ask questions and listen, and we got to get in the word. Wow. You are really good at your job, Terry. Let's just (laughs) listeners join me. Round of applause to Terry. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Do we like that? Is that a good, is that a good call? Is that a challenge? You just made your own catchphrase. (laughs) take it take it and run <laughs> all I did was repeat what you said so but so succinct <laughs> much more succinct. yeah is there anything else that you would want to um challenge or encourage the Ruth Khan listeners with as far as um yeah just kind of wrestling with this story and yeah I think for myself when I've been like reflecting on um the character of Boaz these over these days and weeks, um, it, it really feels challenging to, um, yeah, see his story and see the way that he lived faithfully. And of course we don't see, you know, inner dialogue or much of the surrounding or emotional potential, like, you know, we don't see those things, whereas we see our own all the time, but yeah, it just feels challenging that he, knows who his God is and then faithfully follows. So to circle back to the question that I asked before I monologued, um, <laughs> any advice, any final? <laughs> Let the listeners know she had a peace sign. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So just any final um, encouragement or challenge to the listeners as they just continue to attempt to walk faithfully it can be hard to look at your own position. And I'm thinking of Boaz being cognizant of his role, both as mm-hmm. kinsman redeemer and as pretty well-off landowner. He, he knows that about himself. It's pretty obvious also in their context. But for us, that can be more subtle. And it can be a little, it can be unnerving. It can be unsettling mm-hmm. to examine that for yourself. If you haven't yet done that, it is also a place of really beautiful joy and challenge, definitely Mm -hmm. challenge. But for me, 
that process has been going on for a long time and has given me way more, way, oh, just a larger worldview and a larger capacity to talk to folks, to listen to folks, to understand my role in comparison to theirs than I would have had if I didn't do my own work, kind of, of examining my privilege, also examining who I am and what I have to give mm. and examining what resources I have access to and getting creative with those. So the flip side of that is if you got it, flaunt it, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> like if you got, if you got some land, yeah, get some people on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like do some, do some fun stuff. If you, yeah, if you got it, you can, you can flaunt it. And so both of those in concert with each other, I think will bring about great generosity that you don't even necessarily realize is gen- generosity until mm. after the fact. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So good. Thank you. I, yeah, I really can't thank you enough for just, yeah, sharing your experiences with us and just, yeah, being willing to, yeah, to meet and just be a resource for us and an example for us to fall after and learn from. No, if you got it, flaunt it, Phoebe. You said you got it. it. True. Oh, <laughs> dare you another peace sign. Got yeah. hit by my own catchphrase. You have to eat your words there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, great talking with you Jay. yeah thank you so much for being here we are thankful for you and the gift you are to to us well well hit me up for that happy hour anytime (laughs) thanks so much a big thank you to sydney and phoebe for being guests with us today and thank you for joining us for this special boaz centric episode if there's something from these conversations that's sticking out in your mind, we encourage you to write it down and share it with a friend. And have fun imagining what a life of generosity can look like in whatever sphere God has placed you in. Peace. Peace.